Hi, this is Andy, and welcome to episode three of This Won't Teach You Anything. On this episode, we have the Stream Room, which will feature the TV series Firefly. And on things your family will be stuck with when you die, we'll talk prop collecting. Before we get to the segments in this episode, I just want to say thank you to everyone who's listened to an episode. If you've listened to both of them, thank you. Especially if you listened to the second one. That was the one with my discussion on A Star is Born with my friend Jake Erringer. You can probably tell I love talking movies with people. And as a new podcaster, I'm learning a lot. My goal this first season is to bring some consistency to the show and throw in a longer episode here and there. That said, you've heard a couple of my favorite films, and by now can tell that one of my favorite TV shows is Firefly. What about you? What are some of your favorite movies, TV shows, songs, or artists? Drop me a message via the following. Gmail, thiswontteach at gmail.com. Instagram, this underscore won't underscore teach underscore you underscore anything. On Twitter, at thiswontteach. Or on Facebook, at thiswontteach. There's no apostrophes, no punctuation in any of those addresses. Any questions or comments, I'll address on the following episode. This is the Stream Room. On this episode, we're going to talk Joss Whedon's Firefly from 2002. Firefly was pitched as nine people looking into the blackness of space and seeing nine different things. It was only 14 episodes, not intentionally. It was canceled during the first season. It had a unique blend of sci-fi slash western, so it was more of a space western. It sounds weird, right? Space and western doesn't sound like it goes together. Let me tell you, this show goes together. From the sci-fi side, you have spaceships and intergalactic travel but you don't have things like a lot of lasers and light speed travel from the western side you have things like bullet fed guns cattle and yes there's still horses in the future in firefly you have a future where earth has been used up and people had to leave and colonize other planets so the story starts out during a battle this is the battle of serenity valley During this battle, which takes place in the Unification War, which is between the Union of Allied Planets, from here on out called the Alliance, and the Independence. Now, the Alliance was a government that catered to the central or core planets and kind of neglected the outer border planets, the poor planets. The Independents were fighting to basically govern themselves and have the freedom to do so. During this battle, we are introduced to Malcolm Reynolds and Zoe Elaine, two experienced soldiers with different styles of combat and discipline. We find them getting ready to rush an enemy position, which they do so successfully. In spite of that, their superiors pull plans for air support and advise them to surrender, abandoning them. Fast forward six years. Mal has obtained a Firefly-class transport ship that he's named Serenity. He has also put together a crew that includes Zoe as first mate, her husband, Hoban Wash Washburn, as Serenity's pilot, Jane Cobb as a hired muscle, and you'll find out, as he likes to say, Jane ain't a girl. Kaylee Fry, Serenity's self-taught mechanical engineer, 
and Anara Sara, who rents one of Serenity's two shuttlecrafts to conduct her business as a registered companion. Companions are culturally well-educated, high-class escorts, basically. In the verse of Firefly, companions are highly respected members of society. Mal, Zoe, and Jane are conducting an illegal salvage on the wreckage of a ship in space. They are discovered by the Alliance cruiser Dortmunder and have to hustle to escape. We then learn that the crew will take any job, legal or not, just to keep flying. They land on the planet Persephone and pick up passengers for the fares. Here, we meet Shepherd Daryl Book. A shepherd is a type of preacher or a priest. Simon Tam, and a little later, we'll be introduced to River Tam, Simon's sister. I'm not going to get into spoilers here, as if there are many who haven't seen Firefly, and I'm glad I didn't hear any spoilers on my first viewing. That said, Firefly has had an interesting route to cult favorite status. The show aired from September 20th to December 20th, 2002. Even with that short of a run, Firefly had many built-in fans. How so? The starting to form Whedonverse. The Whedonverse consists of TV shows and movies that Joss Whedon created. The TV series Buffy the Vampire Slayer already had a built-in rabid audience who was ready to gobble up any new show Joss created. I wasn't one that followed Buffy the Vampire Slayer. But if I'm talking about it on my podcast, it must be a favorite of mine, right? So now you're probably asking, if it was so good, why the quick hook by the network? In a word, Fox. Now, without me being present for the actual meetings, it is my understanding that Fox fought Whedon at many turns. Case in point, they wanted Zoe and Mal to be romantically involved. They made him shoot a new first episode when they didn't get the original pilot episode called Serenity. And it didn't air until after the show was canceled. This was a problem, since it introduced the crew. They also aired the episodes out of order. Fox had the Major League Baseball playoffs going, and Firefly was also relegated to the Friday night death slot, where ratings were consistently and historically low. I don't know this to be true, but it really seems Fox hated Joss. With all that being said... Why is Firefly such a favorite of mine? The crew and the ship. One of the things that really connects with me is a feeling that these spacefaring vagabonds are a family, and their home is their ship, Serenity. They live together, laugh together, and fight together. Oh, in their own ways, they care about each other. Mal makes it clear that his crew is his responsibility and he will do whatever he needs to to keep them safe, sometimes even from each other. Some other things I really like about this show are the writing and the humor. Now, for writing and humor to take off, you need great characters. And for great characters, you need the right actors. The crew of Serenity is made up of the following characters and actors. Nathan Fillion plays Malcolm Mal Reynolds. He's been in numerous other projects. Castle, The Rookie. Zoe Aline Washburn is played by Gina Torres. She has been on Suits. Pearson. Hoban Wash Washburn, played by Alan Tudyk. He's been Steve the Pirate in Dodgeball. K2SO in Rogue One, and numerous other things. Jane Cobb, played by Adam Baldwin. He's been in Chuck, My Bodyguard. Kaylee Fry, 
played by Jewel State. She's been in Stargate Atlantis. Nara Sarah, played by Marina Baccarin. Most of you will know her as Deadpool's girlfriend, Vanessa. Next, we have Simon Tam, played by Sean Marr, who's guest starred on The Rookie with Nathan Fillion. Also voices Dick Grayson and Nightwing on Teen Titans. We have River Tam, played by Summer Glau, who's also played a Terminator on Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles. And last but not least, we have Ron Glass, who for seven years played Detective Ron Harris on Barney Miller. That's it for the human cast. But in this show, the 10th crew member is talked about as being the ship itself, Serenity. Now, Serenity doesn't talk or have a mind of its own, but it's just as important part of the crew and the show as any of the people are. Joss wanted to go ahead and make a lived-in ship, and he wanted the ship to make sense. If you've ever seen Doctor Who, the thing with the TARDIS, the time machine, is that it's quote-unquote bigger on the inside. Looks like a police call box. On the outside, you step through, and it's huge on the inside. He didn't want that effect for Serenity. A lot of times with spaceships and Star Trek and whatnot, you never get a real sense of the ship on the inside matching the outside. He wanted to make sure that the ship itself was feasible, and when you walked through it on set, it made sense in relation to the actual outside of the ship. And Serenity did just that. What you saw on the outside, you could feel on the inside. Again, one of the big draws for me about Firefly was the camaraderie of the cast. Part of that has to come from the fact that they like each other off screen. How do I know? I've personally seen many of them interact with each other. You see, after watching the series, I made it a mission to go meet the cast. No, I didn't go nuts and stalk them to their houses. I attended cons, as in conventions. A con in nerd lingo is basically a pop culture event. There are a few different companies that put them on, and you can find cosplayers, toy dealers, t-shirt dealers, lightsaber dealers, and comic artists, and meet actors from TV and film. Over the course of four years, I met all of the main cast. At my first Wizard World event in St. Louis, I met Morena Baccarin. In Louisville, at FanFest, I met Alan Tudyk, Adam Baldwin, and Jewel State. At a Wizard World event in Chicago, I met Summer Glau. At another Wizard World in St. Louis, I met Sean Marr. At Wizard World in Columbus, Ohio, I met Ron Glass before he passed away. In Chicago, at another Wizard World event, I met Nathan Fillion. And it took two years before Gina Torres hit the con circuit, and I was able to meet her at yet another Wizard World event in Chicago. Firefly the series ends leaving you wanting more. It left others wanting more as well. In 2005, the story continued in the feature film Serenity, written and directed by Joss Whedon. It satisfied the thirst of those wanting to see an ending to the story that they so dearly loved and cared about. So I'll advise you, if you haven't seen Firefly, give it a watch, even if you're not a sci-fi fan. 
trust me, it's not sci-fi that dominates the theme of the series. It's the cast. I loved it, and I think you might too. This is our new segment, Things Your Family Will Be Stuck With When You Die. It's dedicated to collecting, all things collecting. On this first maiden episode of Things Your Family Will Be Stuck With When You Die, we'll be talking prop collecting. Prop collecting is something that I recently got into, and by recent, probably five or six years ago. So for me, to own a piece of that movie-making experience, whether it was used in production or on screen, it just seemed like a must for me. Now, when it comes to props, there's all kinds of different things that can be considered a prop. You can have things like dishes and things that are custom-made, things that are wardrobe, things that are weapons. Cars can be props. So it really depends if you're going to get involved with it. What I did is start setting budgets of what, you know, what can you go ahead and afford to spend because the sky is the limit. There can be things you can get involved with for under a hundred bucks. There are things you can get involved with that can shoot up into the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Those would be things in the world of prop collecting that we talk about as grail items, as in holy grail. Some of these I would consider a grail item would be Indiana Jones fedora. Things to keep in mind with something like Indiana Jones fedora is there were four movies made. In each of those movies, there were multiple copies of the hat made. So going ahead and and dealing with a reputable source for that kind of stuff is a must because you don't want to drop... Let's be honest, none of us are going to drop six figures on a hat. Now, if I was independently wealthy and money wasn't an object, you bet your rear I would buy that hat. But again, if you get involved in props, you're going to research the provenance or the history of the item so you can trace it back and make sure that you're not making a mistake or buying a forgery. Still using Indy's fedora as an example, the hat itself to buy that hat, you can still buy it today by the company that, that made them for Raiders of the Lost Ark. The company is Herbert Johnson out of England, out of the UK. And the name of the item is a Raiders Turn Poet. Now, this hat is, is a beaver skin hat. And the hat, with no Indiana Jones background, except for the fact it's the same model that was worn in the film, comes out to 689 US dollars. That's just the hat with again no no movie provenance other than it was made by the same company, same materials that the hat in the film was made. You can kind of get where I'm going with this. A hat off the shelf, again an expensive hat off the shelf is near $700 in 2018. One of the Raiders hats used in the film on screen sold at auction for $521,362. Again, unless you're independently wealthy 
and you want to get into prop collecting, set your sights a little lower. You're probably not going to be able to get your hands on Luke Skywalker's lightsaber. But you can go ahead on lesser known films or smaller items, maybe get something from a favorite film for a few hundred dollars. You just have to know where to look. Some reputable dealers are Hero Prop, Prop Store. Prop Store sometimes has storyboard art that was used in the making of the Star Wars films. Again, production pieces that are nothing you're going to see on screen, but they're still important to the production of the film. You can get those, again, for sometimes a few hundred dollars. Sometimes they go more, depending on what scene the storyboard is depicting. So you see, depending on what you're looking for, you can get into it for a few hundred dollars or less, depending, again, what you're looking for. Now, as I mentioned in our first segment, the feature film Serenity wrapped up the storyline of the TV series Firefly. When I saw that, I started doing Google searches as I was a big fan and just happened across fan sites that led me to message boards and forums. And through those, I was able to go ahead and start seeing things like props that people had obtained. And it started leading me to questions. How did they get these? So doing more searches, I came across Prop Store, which had purchased a lot of items used in Serenity, and I bought my first piece, and it was a shirt, production-made shirt, worn by the character Kaylee, played by Jewel State. Now, one of the things that you learn when you're getting into prop collecting is, is to keep in mind many times there are multiples of an object made, whether it's a, a weapon, a piece of clothing, anything like that, anything that's going to be handled, there's usually a couple of them made. In the case of this shirt, it's actually a, a, like a halter top that was made by American Eagle. And I know that because on the front of the shirt, really small at the bottom is an AE logo. You can't see it in the film. It's embroidered in. It almost is the same color as a pattern on, on the shirt. But it's custom dyed. So there's all these different splashes of color on it. When you're talking props, you can talk production made, production used, and you can talk hero or screen used or screen matched. Now, if you can find an item that you can match to a certain scene on screen, that's where you want to be. Of course, screen matched items to get you to that's where you want to be are going to cost more. If it's production made, it's usually just as important to you being that it was actually on the film set, it was actually created for it, but usually not the same as what's called a hero or screen matched screen use. So I got in for not too much money and that piece I still have. Uh, The second piece that I got was actually through the message board uh, from the Firefly Archive and it is a set of salt and pepper shakers that were screen matched on the table in the galley of the Firefly ship Serenity. A little later on, I was able to get a hold of a production-made custom-stitched shirt worn by Gina Torres as Zoe in the movie Serenity. I enjoy watching Serenity 
and looking at some of the items that I have and knowing they were on that set or possibly used on screen. In the case of Zoe's shirt, it's hard to screen match because it's a solid color. So it's one that could be used on screen, but it was definitely production made. So in the scenes with her, I try to imagine that the shirt that she's wearing and that's up there on the screen is one that I have uh, on my wall. With the case of the salt and pepper shakers, I've got it on pretty good authority with the markings and a dent in one of the shakers that it was actually the set that's on screen in a few of the episodes. And for me, that's really cool. If prop collecting sounds like something you want to learn more about or even possibly get into, I can give you a few pointers that would have helped me at the beginning. One is know the person you're buying from, especially if you're buying from a private party. If it sounds too good to be true and the price seems too good to be true, it probably is, as with almost anything. So if it looks too good, it probably is. Another hint, use Google. Type in the movie you're looking for and add the word props to the end of it. Sometimes you'll get a hit. There's various different prop houses out there. I mentioned Prop Store because it's one I've used and I trust. And there are other good ones out there that you can go ahead and and deal with. Something that you can only learn by trial and error if you go at it alone is a not-so-great dealer. That leads me into my last hint. Find somebody who knows more than you do. I'm going to make this easy. Go to Facebook and look for the group Movie Props. In there, you're going to find people with an infinite well of knowledge when it comes to this. There are some people in there that own their own prop dealing business, and they love movies, and they're good people, and they will answer your questions truthfully You can post something that you're thinking of buying but unsure about and ask for opinions, and they'll let you know honestly. This has saved me from making a bad choice in the past and is just so helpful in this hobby. That's going to do it for Episode 3. If you have any questions or comments on Firefly or want to get involved with prop collecting, drop me a line. You'll find the contact information in the show notes or or earlier in the show. Also, prop collecting, join that Facebook group before you make any purchases. As always, thanks for listening. Do me a favor, rate, review, and subscribe, and we'll see you next time on This Won't Teach You Anything.